Today's history lesson comes from Kenya, and the question is, what is Kenyan currency called? If you answered Kenyan shilling, then you are absolutely correct. Today's African proverb is also from Kenya, and it says, talking to one another is loving one another, and that's a Kenyan proverb. Our guest today on our podcast is Maria Desmondi. She is the founder and CEO of Cardinal Rule Press. Maria's background is in early education and research, which enables her to touch the lives of the world over while touring as a public speaker in schools, community forums, and at national conferences. When Maria isn't working, she can be found embarking on adventures through Southwest Michigan and beyond, where she lives with her husband, three book-loving children, and two pups. You can find more about her at mariadesmonte.com. After the break, you will hear none other than our guest, Maria Desmondi. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. I am one of your hosts, El Cole, and I am super excited about today's interview. We have a special treat in store for you. And today we have a special guest. Maria, can you introduce yourself to everyone? Yes, my name is Maria Desmondi. Um, I am a former educator turned children's book writer. And about eight years ago, I started the company Cardinal Rule Press. I wanted to give the gift of publishing books to other writers. Um, so I have been publishing picture books for other individuals for about eight years. Wow, that is exciting. I know many of our listeners are familiar with publishing because I often discuss publishing and my own journey um, as an author. What really got you started with wanting to publish your first book? Mm, that's a great question. Yes, I well, being in the classroom, uh, I think it was around 2006, I had many students, um, Indian American students in my classroom. And I remember one of my students not uh, wanting to eat his lunch. And it was this beautiful like lunch of curry and just lentils and it smelled delicious. And it really triggered something that happened to me when I was a little girl. Um, my mom, you know, didn't have enough money for bread that day and was trying to figure out what to make me for lunch. So she put cold leftover spaghetti in a hot dog bun. And that was my lunch for the day. And I ended up loving it and requesting it throughout my childhood. So I started thinking about how, you know, children really need the courage to be themselves. Here was this little boy who wanted to be like everyone else and he wanted to have peanut butter and jelly, but his sandwich was actually, his lunch was actually a lot better than peanut butter and jelly. And I don't think he realized that. So I started looking for books to read to my class about really, you know, having that courage to be yourself. I couldn't find any. Um, so I wrote the book, Spaghetti in a Hot Dog Bun. And um, that was kind of the, the start of my new career as a writer. 
Well, I know that once I published my first book, I kind of fell in love with feeling my new book in my hand, saying this was my thought, this was the concept, and then actually being able to touch it and seeing that it was tangible. And I don't know, it just, it's a sense of, um, wow, a sense of aha, just just a wonderful experience that happens. Is there something that kind of happens to you, maybe a sense of euphoria that you get when you hold or when you held your first book in your hand? Yeah, um, you know, it. I, I would say it had to do with my husband because, um, you know, I told people this is what I was doing and they're like, oh, okay. And, uh, good luck with that. And I don't see how you can, you know, make that happen. And he really believed in me. And so I think, um, that experience to me really showed me how far you can go when someone believes in you. So, you know, as much as I wanted to give up and I, I kept, cause I ended up resigning from teaching and um, writing and growing this business and just having somebody who's your cheerleader and someone who believes in you um, on those days when you stop believing in yourself, I think that was that euphoria of like, wow, I can do great things with the support. And in return, I learned that I can be that person for the children, the audience of the, the, the individuals that I was writing for my book was really providing support to the children um, that were reading them. So it was kind of like a win-win. Wow. I know that you mentioned you were an educator, and I'm sure as an educator, you read countless numbers of books to your students. Can you think of a book that you read that felt life-changing for you, and then a book that felt like it changed the lives of your students? Okay, so the book that I was reading, are you saying the like an adult book that I've read? That so, was life so it could be an adult book or a children's book. It's totally up to you, but just a okay. book that you read that was life changing. Yes. Well, that is an easy one because I, uh, again, this goes back to like love relationships. I was in a relationship. Um, I, I knew I was uh, settling and, um, I read a book about a woman who settled and it showed the rest of her life, like the trajectory of her life by making that decision to settle in a love relationship. Um, so that was life changing for me. And it really led to me breaking up with this boyfriend and moving on because I knew there was more for me in in my um, romantic life. So that was a life changing book for me. And it was called um, it was by Elizabeth Berg. And I don't remember the name of it, but I know the author was Elizabeth Burke. And I can follow up with you if you need the name of that. Um, and I've read it a couple of times since because I just, you know, I'm thankful to that book. And then as far as a book for my students, this is a book. It is um, uh, We Love You, Mr. Hatch. And I always read it around Valentine's Day. And the first time I read the book to my class, I cried. And they asked me, why are you crying, Miss, you know, Miss Sini at the time before I was married? And I said, that's the emotion that I get from reading this book. And it's it's about a lonely man and he gets a valentine in the mail of chocolates and he's so excited. And it shows the book is very visual. So everything in the book is in gray before he gets the valentine. And then once he receives that valentine and he finds out someone cares about him, everything turns to color. 
And so it's a visual experience. It's a literary experience. Um, at the end of the story, he finds out that it was actually mailed to the wrong person. And so he's really upset, like, oh, no one does care about me. But it turns out the whole community loves Mr. Hatch. And so they show him how they care about him. It's just a wonderful book about love and inclusion and friendship and community. And um, yeah, so that is a life-changing book that I read to my students. Wow, I love it. And I think, you know, for those of, for everyone who is listening, I think that's one that is very timely for now. And it's one that we definitely need to look into. I haven't heard of it before, but I'm totally intrigued. I love when books have dual meanings are, you know, they do something creative. Like you, you know, you mentioned that the book goes from um, black and white pages to color pages. I think that's so intentional and well thought out. So Absolutely. I definitely will have to check it out. Now, we're kind of talking a little bit about inspiration. And you mentioned your book and, you know, what was a mistake or, you know, kind of like a mishap. You didn't have the bread when you were little. It actually turned out into something wonderful where you had a really good lunch and it tasted good. But are there other books that you've written or um, that have provided you with um, a sense of inspiration for your next books? Like, how do you come up with something new to write? Mm, okay. I So I'm not sure if you're sharing both video and um, audio, but I'm opening up my desk drawer right now and I'm showing you that I have notebooks everywhere. I have them in my desk drawer, in my purse, next to my bed. Um, because I'm constantly getting ideas for books. Um, I just don't have enough time to write them all. Um, so I have to be intentional about that. Um, so I really do get my book ideas from my own life experiences, whether it be um, current life experiences, my children's life experiences. Um, I did write a book um, inspired by my children's life experiences. And I did ask permission if, you know, can I take this experience and turn it into a story? Um, and the story Spaghetti in a Hot Dog Bun, I went back and I read some of my diaries when from when I was a child. Um, I loved writing in diaries. And it really helped me to kind of get into the mindset of a child at that age, like a, a seven to eight year old child and what their thoughts and feelings are. Um, you know, I, I was teased for not only eating weird foods, but I was teased for my hair. My mom got me a perm this one time and it was really big. Um, I was teased for my voice. Uh, people said I sounded like a mouse, so many different things. And, and it's, what kids do and it's not okay and it's not kind. Um, so really getting into the space, reading my journals and diaries and seeing like, you know, being able to put that experience and those feelings into the story. So I guess my, my long-winded answer is through life experiences. Awesome. So I want to just pause here for a second and let everyone know, yes, this is an audio podcast. However, we do put the video. So if you are interested in watching the show, you can head over to youtube.com slash cleverly changing to watch the episodes. So it is a great opportunity not only to listen. I'm an audio learner, so I love just listening to podcasts, but many of our podcasts 
as guests have great things that they're showing. And so I definitely encourage all of you to head over to youtube.com slash cleverly changing to watch as well. So thank you so much for sharing your notes because it's ironic to me because I now, because I've published books, I have my friends who are saying, hey, I'm interested in publishing. What should I do next? And I told one of my friends just this week, make sure you keep a notebook with you at all times because I find that my my inspiration often comes while I'm in the car or you know with my kids running mm -hmm. errands and I have all of these thoughts and you know at first I was like oh I can just do an audio note on my phone and have Siri type it but really I'm a writer so it it does something when you when you take a notepad and write it down so I told my friend I was like start jotting down the ideas that come to you um and so I love that we're kind of kindred spirits in that way where um, we're writing things down all of the time because, you know, our brain is always going. And so I just, um, you know, wanted to share that because I thought it was beautiful. Um, it sounds like you have always been a writer. You talk about journaling and your love for writing. So can you kind of share where do you think that love for writing came from? That's yeah. Well, I'm, I think it came actually from trauma, um, which, you know, you just shared all these really positive, wonderful things, but and now I'm taking a turn down the other road, but, um, I had some trauma as I was growing up and I turned to writing and that was my release. So I shared, you know, some of my diaries are really hard to read because of, um, some domestic abuse that was happening in the home. And that's where I, shared everything and shared how I was feeling and um, was able to kind of process what was happening. Um, and so I've continued to do that in my own parenting um, with my daughters. Um, so I, and my son, I have two, two girls and a boy, um, but the son is much younger, so he hasn't really caught on to it yet. But my girls, we share a diary together and we write back and forth. Um, and I've just wanted to be able to create a space for them to share things with me that maybe they're nervous to talk in person with me about, but just giving them another outlet and teaching them that, you know, writing is a really great way to self-regulate and to help yourself. Um, so I've given them that space as well. So I kind of full circle with that process. I think that is so healthy. So I want to talk about it just for a second, because I feel like there is beauty in writing about painful things and being transparent about them. And I think, you know, if we as parents always share the good when our children face problems and adversity, how will they know how to deal with them? unless we show them. And so I think, you know, yeah, we don't like to talk about trauma or hard subjects, but the truth is if anyone is alive, they face some good things and some bad things too. And by sharing them, we can help other people know that they're not alone in, it, in their experiences. And it can, by writing or doing different things, you know, maybe going to therapy, maybe, talking about it, it can really help kind of break down those layers and help other people learn how to deal with 
hard issues. And so I know I mentioned to you and many of my listeners know that I'm a caregiver. I have a daughter who has a chronic genetic illness as well as an autoimmune illness. So my daughter was born with sickle cell disease. And then when she turned six, she developed type one diabetes. And those two experiences for me were life changing. And I didn't know anyone who talked about that type of stuff. I grew up in a family where you kind of kept your business to yourself and you didn't share it with other people. But why I share is because I've learned that other families need to know and learn how to cope with things that come their way. And so I try to erase the shame and share honestly and transparently because we're living well as a family. It took it took a while after those initial diagnoses, but where we are now, it's such a beautiful place, but there's a journey. There's a process. Some days are definitely better than others. And so I think it is important to share those subjects with everybody. Do you write about any of those tough subjects in your children's books? Yes. So yes, I do write about those subjects in our um, children's books and my children's books. They are definitely um, at the forefront um, because I believe that books can be a few different things. I believe they can be a bridge between a caregiver and a child. And so it will help them to have that conversation around a tricky topic. I believe they can be mirrors, right? So children can see themselves within this, the pages, but they can also be um, windows. So ch children can look inside someone else's experience as well. Um, and then on the flip side, I continue every now and then to write uh, blog posts about uh, different experiences that I wanna share. And I wrote one four years ago um, about, I had to have a total hysterectomy and I wrote about the experience in detail um, on my blog. And that is something that it was really hard to write because it was very personal. But I have had so many women come to me and say, thank you. I thought what I was going through, I had no idea what was I, I was going through. And then I came across your blog post, someone shared it with me and I realized I was going through menopause and that I'm I'm okay. And what my emotions, everything I'm going through is, is normal for menopause. So just, I've helped so many people through that one hard blog post for me to write and share in the world. Um, and so when you sh shared that, that you had, you know, when that you were going through this, you didn't have your family to turn to because you would always kind of put things underneath the rug, but then you started, as you started going through it, you found other people's and other support systems. Um, I think that's the beauty of writing um, is that you can really um, find other people who have gone through something similar to you. You can hear what their experiences were. Um, yeah. So I've definitely done this in my children's books, but I continue to do it um, as my own therapeutic process and going through things as an adult. Amazing. I love the three different illustrations you just provided when you talked about books. You said books are a bridge, they're mirrors and windows. To me, that was so vivid. As you said it, I could see it in my mind. And I was like, wow, that's beautiful. And it's truly all of those things. And I know that your books have been celebrated in a unique way. Um, you were named Publisher Weekly Star Watch nominee, and that's where leaders um, nominated you. 
How did that feel? Oh, we don't usually talk about this. This is, thank you. (laughs) Um, Wow. It felt like such a blessing because um, as a publisher, I keep going back to what is our mission? What is our vision? And it's just that we want to provide those windows and mirrors to children, those bridges for their um, caretakers and their families. And so everything we do, we keep going back to that, what's that mission and vision and really keeping the why I'm in this industry and why I'm in this business at the forefront. And so to be recognized for the work that I'm doing um, that really circles around the why that felt really, really special. It was during the pandemic. Typically you get to, um, you know, go out to New York to be celebrated at a in-person party. Um, so in this case it was on zoom, but, um, I still attended the zoom party and felt very loved and celebrated. Um, and I think as a business owner, which I'm sure you, you felt before, um, you don't always get the, feedback, the positive feedback from your team because you are running the show. So it did feel really good to be recognized for the work that we're doing here. Absolutely. And when your colleagues make, you know, a note of the good that you're doing, I think it just feels special because so often we're, we live in a society that's always competing against each other. And uh. sometimes we forget to provide words of affirmation um, because everything just always seems like it's a competition. And so for people to say, hey, I see what you're doing and I appreciate it and it matters, I think, you know, that award just means so much more. And to hear that you were awarded during the pandemic, like that's when our soul needed it the most (laughs) because it was a hard time for everyone worldwide. And I feel like, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm curious for you, was there a sort of awakening? Because I know for me, when I went through the pandemic, and you know some would argue we're still living through the pandemic Mm -hmm. um but i felt like i had to really live my life to the fullest because i don't really know um how much time i have and so everything that i do is a part of me building my legacy so what type of impact did the pandemic have on you and how you live on live your life Yeah. Um, So the impact it had on me was really the importance of community. And um, I, as a child, I had um, a rare blood disorder. So I felt, I feel like at a very young age, I really grasped the concept of living each day to the fullest and really appreciating each day. Um, But through the pandemic, I connected a lot with community. So I started teaching free character classes on Zoom um, so literally within four days of all the schools shutting down in Michigan, I invited children into my home through Zoom and three days a week, I taught a half hour lesson on different character traits like perseverance and resist, uh, resilience and kindness and um, sibling relationships. And my children sat right on the floor and attended all of these um, classes that I taught. I had over 2000 families sign up. Um, that first Zoom call, I had over 500 children log on. It was a hot mess. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because I didn't know how to handle all the muting and the unmuting. But um, we ended up having around 100 kids for each lesson. And I didn't charge anything for it. And I just, I really connected with the children. I connected with the parents. And so 
in my business after that 2020 year, um, I really pivoted to doing more with our community and giving back to the community. So, you know, now our company, we host free author events and panels where classrooms can tune in right from school and they can speak to authors and ask them questions about their writing. Um, and so it, it helped me to really value um, the fact that I wouldn't be in business without community. And it's important for us to find ways to give back to them. That is beautiful. I love that you said that classrooms are able to kind of tap into that source, because I think for young people, when they have an opportunity to see real living people who are authors, it's no longer something that's just a far reaching dream. It becomes something that's so much more attainable. Have you been back to any of the schools that you've taught at and shared your books, maybe like a story reading or anything? similar? Yes. Yes, I have. Um, I have. Uh, before the pandemic, I believe, because I've been out of the classroom for uh, a, quite some time now. I think 2011 was when I um, resigned from teaching. So I have connected back and I do keep in touch with a lot of my students' families. Um, that's just kind of the person I am. And you know, I receive letters every now and then from students who graduated college and want to Tell, tell me, you know, what an impact I had on them, which just reminds me of how important it is for me to now support teachers in any way I can in, in schools as well. That's beautiful. Now, I know you are um, the CEO of Cardinal Rule Press. Is there a reason why it's called Cardinal Rule? You know, I just, it sounds so official. What is the, you know, why behind the name? Oh, beautiful. It has a little mascot, everyone. So for those <laughs> of you who are listening, can you describe the mascot? Yes. So I'm holding a little stuffed animal cardinal, which is a red bird. And um, my first book, Spaghetti in a Hot Dog Bun, has a red cardinal hidden on most of the pages for children to find. And I asked the illustrator to put that in the book because... Um, when my grandparents passed away, my grandmother passed away first, and then my grandfather just a few months later. And um, my mom was just going through so much grief and our family was just, it was a lot of heartache. And um, someone told us that when we saw a cardinal, it, it was like a sign that our loved ones were with us. And even though they, they aren't here on earth. And so I've always found comfort in cardinals. And so I wanted to include that in my first book. And um, then when uh, I decided to start this company and support other writers, I have a girlfriend who I said, I need a name for this company. I told them Maria Desmondi Incorporated. And they said, do you really want it to be called your name? I'm like, no, but I can't think of anything else. And she said, let's let's go with the Cardinal, because that was so important to you in that first book. And so my friend Meg helped come up with the name Cardinal Rule Press, because our books are also all centered around the Cardinal Rule of kindness and treat others the way you want to be treated. Beautiful. I love how everything ties together and works very consistently. And I think, you know, there are certain business principles that I'm sure you've kind of learned in the whole process of leaving teaching and becoming an entrepreneur. You know, can you share with everybody maybe two um, lessons that you've learned as an entrepreneur? Hmm. 
two lessons. I could tell you like 50 lessons, but I'm going to break it down to two. (laughs) Um, Two lessons I've learned. Well, one is you have to decide what is the difference between important and urgent. Um, So a lot of people, there's a lot of noise out there and it makes you feel like these things are so urgent. Like, you know, even with text messages and emails, you know, if I get a text message, you know, in 10 minutes from now, do I really need to answer at that moment? Is it really that urgent? And so I think that there's been, there's a gray area between important and urgent. And so really defining what those two are to you. So for example, what's important for me is to wake up, to drink my coffee and to read. Um, I always read in the morning and yes, would it be wonderful to check my email at six o'clock in the morning? Absolutely. Do some of my you know, partners and uh, colleagues think it's urgent. Their emails are urgent at six o'clock in the morning, maybe. But for me, it's not. That's not what's important for me in the morning. So um, I think as an entrepreneur, really, you have to define those two words and, you know, have boundaries around your work because it's not like teaching. When I was a teacher, I was there from, you know, nine to four and that was my work. You know, I could work until 8 p.m. every night if I wanted to, being an entrepreneur. So you really have to set those boundaries on what is urgent, what is important. Um, And then number two, I believe in um, professional development. I think learning is so important. And that's why I value the podcast uh, community, because that's where, you know, I, I studied to become a teacher. I'm when you ask me child development questions, I can usually answer them spot on. If you were to ask me an accounting or marketing question, that's going to be a lot harder for me to answer. So I I was self-taught as a business owner. And um, so how did I do that? It was through reading and listening to podcasts and taking online workshops and going to conferences. So I think that to constantly be learning is really important. So each month, you know, I decide on a professional development book, that I'm going to read um, and just to continue that growth um, because I think you can get stuck very easily. Yes, absolutely. I love the principles that you just shared because I've definitely found them to be true for for me as well. Um, But it's hard to learn. Like setting boundaries was kind of one of the hardest lessons that I learned because I think sometimes we're just kind of set up to be givers and it can seem you know, like you're being selfish somewhat to say no or to kind of pull back from certain things because you just have so much love for everybody, but you have to realize that you alone have a capacity. You you have your own limitations. And when you recognize them and you set boundaries, you can do the things that you love better. But if you're trying to do things for everybody, then some things are going to suffer. And so I said, do I want to be mediocre or do I want to do, do I want to excel? And if I want to excel, that means I have to set boundaries. That's kind of how I told, told it to myself so that I would abide by it. But I I, I just just wrote that down. I think you have so many um, jewels that, you know, you put in your books and by establishing a company, by, you know, centering your business around community. I think that's so um, pivotal and so mindful 
And I'm wondering when you are publishing, do you just accept everybody who tells you they want to publish a book? How do you kind of decide this is a project we will take on and this is a project better suited for someone else? Yeah. Uh, Again, keeping the why in the forefront of our decision making is really important. Um, And I don't make those decisions on my own. So I have an acquisitions editor um, along with an intern who they read all of the submissions coming in and they kind of, you know, narrow it down to maybe no. And I guess there's no yes at this time. So there's maybe and um, no. And then what happens is they narrow those maybes down to around 10. And um, so we're actually in the process right now. So we send those 10 manuscripts on to our beta readers. So we have about 15 beta readers. Those are made up of parents, teachers, grandparents, um, children. So we have some children read them as well. And everyone signs an NDA so you know that we can keep that concept um, private. And then we review the feedback from our beta readers. And this Friday, um, my acquisitions editor and I will be meeting and we'll be going over that feedback to making our decisions on which six titles we will be publishing for 2024. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So we don't take every manuscript, which is a bummer, but some just aren't a fit. You know, our books are realistic fiction. We don't have any talking animals or dancing dinosaurs or what have you. Um, So it's very specific. And still we have people who don't read the guidelines and will send us talking animal stories. So it's some of them are easier than others to say, oh, it's not a fit. That's incredible. I love that you've been able to narrow it down because I think when you have a standard process, it makes it easier to make decisions and and to say no, because it doesn't feel like you're hurting anyone. It's like, oh, this is what we've set out to do and this follows our guidelines. So to me, having guidelines just makes life a little bit simpler and it, it frees up your heart for those heartbreaks. For sure, for sure. So as you know, we've talked for a while and as we wind down the conversation, is there any message that you feel like parents should know about the publishing process or reading to their children? Oh my goodness, yes. Reading to your children is so important in starting at a very young age, early intervention. Um, children get so much from reading. Um, it The routine of reading is comforting and reduces anxiety. So if you read maybe in the morning or maybe you read before bed at night, um, it's anxiety reduction for not only the child, but for the parent caregiver as well. Um, And then vocabulary development is huge. So as your child begins speaking, they're going to have a bigger vocabulary having been read to. And then just reading is foundational for everything we do. Um, So anything your child wants to become, they're going to need the skill of reading. Um, So I just, I, I beg you to read. And if you don't have access to books, thank you, YouTube, for having books available there. Thank you to, um, you know, places, thrift shops like Salvation Army and Goodwill that sell books for 10 cents, garage sales. Um, There are so many ways to get access to books. 
um, that I just hope that you can find a way, even the library, checking books out, right? Um, to have books within your home to share with your children. Yes, I want to just share one thing for people who are listening. If you are someone who isn't much of a reader, but you love audio books, many of the libraries have um, an app that they pay for called Libby, and you can check out ebooks and also audiobooks through Libby. So um, Libby is one, Hoopla is another, but there are tools that you have access to even if you don't have a lot of money to spend on books because books are expensive. They're great to have and great to own, but you know, if you are looking to kind of increase your library or give your children more options, these are just um, two other ways, two other applications that exist that will allow you to do that. That's a wonderful tip. And audiobooks is a great thing to do in the car um, to keep the children calm and quiet and to give you some space as well. Um, and they're all strapped in. They've got nowhere to go, so they have to listen. So I actually have Hoopla and Libby on my phone. I love both of them. I love audiobooks. So yes, yes. So you've kind of touched on it. What are you reading? Oh, wow. I will tell you. Uh, so in the morning, I read um, for professional development and sometimes just for self-help. So right now I'm reading a book called the Happier Hour by Casey something. And it is a book about um, productivity and time management. Um, and then on my audiobook that I'm reading, so I don't currently have like a, a handheld book um, that Happy Hour is, but right now I'm reading an audiobook called The Seven or Eight Deaths of Stella Fortuna. Um, and it's set in World War II. So that's uh, what I'm listening to while I walk the dogs or fold laundry or cook dinner. Um, yeah, so that's, and you can connect with me on Goodreads. Uh, I always put what I'm reading over there. Okay, definitely. That's awesome. So our last question today is, we just kind of touched on audiobooks. I know that you've done, um, you know, print books. Do you also create ebooks and audiobooks as well? Yes, our books are ebooks. Um, we do have only one audiobook. Audiobooks are not as popular for children um, in picture books as they are, at, you know, in chapter books for children. So we do have one audiobook, but all of our books are available as ebooks. And um, you should be able to check them out on um, Hoopla and Libby as well. Oh, incredible. Tell everybody how they can connect with you to follow the Cardinal Rule um, Press process, the journey, and to check out the new authors that will soon be a part. Yes. Well, you know, there's a lot of social media out there. And right now our focus is Instagram. So you can find us at Cardinal Rule Press on Instagram. And um, you can email me if you have any questions, follow up questions from this um, interview. I'm happy to answer them. My email is Maria at CardinalRulePress.com. Incredible. So everybody, if you are listening, um, I want you to head to the show notes. If you're watching on YouTube, just head to the description and there will be a link to um, the Instagram page. So definitely check it out and follow, support and get her books. So can you um, just let people know um, what the Cardinal Rule Press uh, website is? 
Yes, cardinalrulepress.com. And um, we have all children's picture books there. And I didn't mention, I do have a parenting book on there as well. And um, it kind of walks you month by month on different things, different traditions and rituals you can do in the home that increases um, reading, awareness, and character development. So all of that can be found on cardinalrulepress.com. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. It was truly a joy to speak with you. I just love talking about books. I love talking about writing and reading. So it has just been a great conversation. I would love to maybe have you back in the future because I know there's so much more that we could talk about because I, I know that you are wealth of knowledge, especially as an educator. I feel like that's really the foundation and the basis for a lot of what you do. And I would love to talk to you again in the future, but everybody support Cardinal Rule Press, go to the website as well as follow on Instagram. And again, if you don't know the links, there will be a link in the show note. Um, show notes page on cleverlychanging.com. All right. So bye for now, everybody. Thank you. Did you know that we sell merchandise to keep our podcast going? Order a hoodie, t-shirt, mugs, and more today. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.